Hey, good morning. Let me hear you this morning. How you doing? Come on. Hey, it's December. Are you excited that it's December? Yeah. All right, four of you. So four of you are excited about December. How many of you, you, how many of you put your Christmas decorations up before December even got here? Raise your hands, just so we're clear. All right, Christmas doesn't start a victory till next Sunday. Uh, we're finishing up our series here today. Next Sunday, we'll start breaking out some Christmas songs. Oh, just kidding. Christmas is already here. My fault. It's already here, guys. We are here. The whole service has been edited. Uh, we'll start to kind of focus that attention there. Uh, first of all, my name is Troy. My wife, Darla, and I get the absolute privilege to pastor this church. And if you are visiting with us, let me give you a couple of announcements before we get into the Word today. First of all, if you're looking for a way to get connected, we would really love that, especially as we're starting to kind of come to the end of 2021 and gear up for 2022. Uh, next year is going to be probably the best year, I believe, for our church yet, as we will officially move where? Into our home! Come on, church! Look, y'all ain't ready. In January, I'm going to preach through this. I'm going to talk about this so much in January. Y'all aren't ready. Y'all need to get ready. Uh, start, you know, collect some Depends, get ready so you can wear diapers in here. You won't have to have bathroom breaks. Uh, uh, sorry, I've gotten so off track that if you're visiting, you're now wondering why you're visiting. Um, but we would love for you to connect. You can do that in two simple ways. You can uh, text to connect with the information coming up on the screen. You can text VICTORY18, the number 31996. Uh, that'll send you a, di a digital connection card. Or when you came in, they also gave you a paper connection card. And what we'd love to do that is for you to just be able to turn that in, fill that out, turn that in. We got a special gift for you just to say, hey, thank you so much for spending your Sunday with us. It also gives us the opportunity to reach out, again, make any kind of connections, answer any of your questions uh, as we get ready to see what God's gonna do through us in the, in the next coming future months. Um, also, if you're looking for a way to give, we have so many faithful people that give every month to this church, and because of that, you're going to hear some of the things that we do today because of their faithfulness. But if you've been visiting or you're visiting for the first time, you say, hey, I'd really like to be able to give. You can do that in three ways as well. We have our online portal, which is our website, our app. You can give that way. We also have text to give. That information will come up on the screen. And then as you're leaving today, there'll be an auditorium host by the door with a bucket. You can give that way. I always like to take a moment and just remind you guys of all the things we're able to do because of your faithfulness. Uh, what we're focusing on right now is we are teaming up with the YMCA here in Rutherford County, and we are providing Christmas for families in the, the Domestic Abuse Center in Smyrna. And so what we're doing is we've come alongside of them. It's about $150 a family, and we're giving them money. We, we, we committed to pay for 10 families up front. I think we're going to end up paying for more by the time this is over. Uh, and we've also committed to help wrapping. So on December 19th and 20th, that's a Sunday and a Monday, the YMCA is going to have kind of what we call a wrapping party. We'll meet at the YMCA. We'll wrap what we have. Uh, you, can, you can kind of register for that a few different ways. You can just tell me or Erica in the lobby. That's one way to register for that. We sent out an email Friday where there's a kind of a link to it that you could register to it. Or you can go to our social media platforms and register that way if you'd like to be there present to wrap. Uh, it's just an incredible blessing to be a part of being able to give to other people. I don't know about you, but I'm blessed. Are you blessed? I mean, I'm so blessed, and I want to be able to be used by the Lord to bless other people. And so to know that 10-plus families, I think, I think we're already knocking on the door of 20-plus families that will, be, that will receive Christmas through this ministry. And uh, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for giving, because we wouldn't be able to do that if you didn't. And so I just I go back to my, the ability to look at my friend Hodge, the director of the Y, with straight confidence and tell him about our involvement, because I know of your faithfulness. And that's just exciting for me. So... 
Couple of quick announcements, uh, and we'll get into the word. Well, uh, December 19th is going to be water baptism, so right after church, we'll go outside. I'm just kidding, we won't do it outside. Uh, we'll do it in the hallway, but it'll be water baptism, so if you've been waiting for the opportunity to be baptized, you can sign up for that. And then also on December 25th, as you guys know, sorry, 24th, is our Christmas Eve service. We will be partaking of communion on that day. And so we used to do baptism and communion quarterly, and we kind of got away from that because of COVID, and we're bringing it back. So we'll have baptism on the 19th and communion on the 24th. Also on that night will be our Christmas Eve service. I'm just so excited about that service. I think it's gonna be so much fun, music and different things from kids, and it's just gonna be a great, great time. It is a all-family service, so we, we have you bring your kids in. We'll have you know, different treats and all that and then send you off for the holidays, and we will not be meeting on that Sunday. We'll meet that Friday night. We won't meet on that Sunday, <clears throat> and it's just going to be a great opportunity. We're in a series right now called The Greatest Adventure. A few weeks ago, I let you know that the title of this series was going to be The Greatest Adventure, and the idea was that I believe that us giving our life to Christ and choosing to follow Jesus Christ with our life is the greatest, the absolute greatest adventure that we could ever go on. And then I mentioned that Trusting God with our finances is what I believe is the adventure inside the adventure. And I think that unfortunately, a lot of people miss out on that blessing. They miss out on that adventure, the excitement of what God will do when we trust him with our finances. And so we went to Exodus chapter 16, and we started breaking out different principles that we talked about over the next past couple of weeks, and I'll hit those in a moment. But before we get into today, with this being the last message of the series, we are initially uh, uh, putting the green light on the action steps of our church post the series. And so I've been talking about this. I'm going to go over it again just so you have a clear understanding. And of course, I'll be available to answer any questions for you after service. So something we've done from the day we launched this church was end of the year giving. We call it Purpose Prevails. And the mindset behind that was at the end of the year, we look back at all that God has done for us in, in faithfully, but especially finances, and then we pray about and ask God for an amount that we could give in things. And I've always said this, you pray about it, and if God doesn't tell you to give anything, don't give it. I would never talk you into giving anything, but if God tells you to give something, do it. Trust God and do it. And so every year we've seen phenomenal stories from people, testimonies of, of you know, and again, all kinds of different amounts. If you, if you follow scripture at all, you understand that it's never about the amount, whether you're David giving billions or whether you're the widow giving mites, and the amount never matters. It's the level of sacrifice. And so we really push towards the end of the year, especially for those who are tithers, to really pray about this. Darla and I and our family, we do it. We sit down, we pray, and then we write a check for Purpose Prevails. Our leaders do it. And then we, of course, believe that that uh, trickles down into the church. But we've added something new this year, and that's on the bottom. It talks about God's guarantee. And I just had this conviction this year that before you can ever step out and give a sacrificial offering, you need to be tithing first. You can't give a sacrificial offering if you're not tithing. And so for anybody in here who say, hey, you know, I never tithe, but I want to give to Purpose Prevails, my challenge to you is actually, instead of trying to give sacrificially in that way, to take the step and trust God by tithing. And so what we do is we, we put together this thing called God's Guarantee because a lot of people, and I shared this a couple weeks ago in my journey when I first started tithing, there's that, there's that step of fear you kind of have to get over of, well, I don't know if I have enough. I don't know if I'll run out of what I have and those kind of aspects. And so the Bible says to test the Lord when it comes to tithing and finances. And so we set up this thing called God's Guarantee, and here's what it is, that it, when this whole thing kicks off, it's going to officially kick off next weekend, um, you, you can start giving, you can start tithing, and we're going to do it for 90 days. And if you have not seen, after that 90 days, if you've not seen God be faithful in your finances, then we're going to give you 100% of the money that you gave back. 
And, and I, know, I don't know if you've ever heard about that before. I, people have done it before. Don't think that we're coming up with it for the first time. But I just believe in it. I believe that when you step out and trust God and when you test God in that area, God is faithful to that area. But I also understand how hard it is to take that first step. And so if we can come alongside of you and help you in any way to take that first step, see God's faithfulness, and then once you see God's faithfulness, you won't be worried about it anymore. And so that's what we're going to do. So we'll talk about it a little bit more at the end, but it's going to be my challenge to every one of us to pray about uh, and, and, and choosing one of these areas. And then here's what I'm asking in regards to God's guarantee. This card, you'll notice, has no amount on it. We're not asking you to put an amount or anything. This is just letting us know that you're stepping out in faith and doing it because I am going to be contacting you and walking with you through this. And I can't do that if you don't fill out one of these cards because I won't know, okay? There are people that keep up with our records, and, and that's not me. And so and the importance is, is if you fill this out, I will know that you're doing this, and I can contact you and walk with you through this and so on. So again, I'll explain it a little bit more, but as you came in, we were all, you were all handed one of those cards. That's what it is. I think for the most part, you've heard about it over the past couple weeks, but I do want to make myself available after service. If you have any questions about it, logistics, I'd love to walk you through it. And like I said, we'll, we'll talk about it. We'll hit it on it one more time before service is over. Amen? Amen. You ready for the word? Yes. All right, if you got your Bibles, turn to Exodus chapter 16. So you got Genesis, Exodus. So turn to Exodus chapter 16. We've been in there. While you're turning there, let me give you just a little bit of update as to what's going on. So in case this is your first time here, you've missed a couple weeks, you'll know what's happening. Uh, the children of Israel were in slavery in, uh, in Egypt by, through, through Pharaoh. God sends Moses to set them free, and then he takes a member through the Red Sea and into the wilderness. And then what happens is their food runs out, and then the children of Israel start to grumble because they don't have anything to eat. And God tells Moses he's going to provide manna. And so he provides quail at night which is a bird, and then he provides manna in the morning, which we talked the first week was actually seed, like a coriander seed, and they had to take it and, and, and work it, you know, mush it together and then create bread and, and bake their bread. And so that's where we are. We're talking about God's provision. The children of Israel had to trust God for their provision in this aspect. Uh, there was a phenomenal uh, concept that we looked at a couple weeks ago where they, only had, they were only told by God to take so much. They didn't, he didn't want them to take more than they needed. And so that was another lesson about being able to know that God is enough in our life. So we'll get to all that in a minute. So sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm really excited about this. So all right, so Exodus chapter 16, we're going to start reading verse 31. We'll read to verse 35, uh, and then we'll go from there. Verse 31 says, the people of Israel called the bread manna. That's, that's when it was officially called manna. Manna means what is it? It also means it is what it is. So that's what it was. They don't know what it is, so it's manna. It was white like coriander seed, and it tasted like wafers made with honey. Doesn't that sound delicious? Moses, maybe not. Okay. Moses said that this is what the Lord has commanded. Watch this. Take an omer of manna and keep it for the generations to come. So take an omer, that was a measurement, take some of this manna, keep it for the generations to come, so they can see the bread I gave you to eat in the wilderness when I brought you out of Egypt. That's so important, so that they can see the bread that I gave you to eat while you were in Egypt, in the wilderness. It's so good. So Moses said to Aaron, take a jar, put an omer of manna in it, then place it before the Lord to be kept for the generations to come. And as the Lord commanded Moses, Aaron put the manna with the tablets of the covenant law so that it might be preserved. The Israelites ate manna for 40 years, y'all, 40 years, until they came to a land that was settled. So the entire time that they were in the wilderness, God provided quail and manna. And then the Bible ends by saying they ate manna until they reached the border of Canaan. 
The title of my message today is Bread That Can Never Go Stale. Bread That Never Goes Stale. We're in this season of Purpose Prevails, and I shared with you that when we launched our church, even before we had our first service, we did Purpose Prevails. And ever since we've been doing it, Darla and I have sat down with our kids and let them see us do it. Now, it started off with just Veda. Casey Ray was too young, but as she's getting older, we're now including her in, and we're letting them see us write these checks. We want them to understand what we're doing. They know that we tithe, but they don't actually see that. But when it came time to write this Purpose Prevails check, I wanted them to see it. Matter of fact, one year, I think it might have been a couple years ago, I'm not sure, we wrote the largest check, and I'm not bragging, just hear the story, we wrote the largest check we have ever written in our lives, and we wrote it to Purpose Prevails. Now, here's why I say that. It's so exciting to know that the, the largest check I ever wrote went to the kingdom of God. You know, it was larger than any rent check I've ever written, any mortgage check I've ever written. And my children got to see that. Like, I made that a point. I said, listen, <laughs> this is the largest check your mom and dad have ever written, and it's going to the kingdom of God. We, we shared with them, I shared last week about the miraculous story when LifePoint in Clarksville gave us $65,000 so that we could, before we launched the church, I shared that incredible story. We shared that story with our kids. We wanted them to know about God's provision. Every time that we've, we let them know that we tithe, we let them know about the building, we took the kids to the building. Listen, we do all of this because we want our kids to know about the faithfulness of God. We want them to know about God's provision for our lives and definitely for their lives. Did you know that there are more than 500 verses in the Bible about prayer? There's nearly 500 verses in the Bible about faith, and yet there's more than 2,000 about money and possessions. 16 of Jesus' 38 parables are about money. What this tells us is that Jesus at some point thought clearly that it is important how we handle our money. Jesus wanted us to understand that there's principles laid out and there's promises within. And if we will follow the principles, we'll be able to see the promises. I don't think he taught about it, and I'll say this, he didn't talk about it because he needed our money. He talked about it because he wanted us to experience this adventure inside the adventure. He wanted us to be able to tell these stories of God's faithfulness to friends and into generations to come. I don't know if you caught this, but if you were able to listen to last week's message, if you were here, um, I talked a little bit about how the children of Israel, they ignored God's instructions, and they kept some of the food overnight that they weren't supposed to, and when they woke up, the manna had maggots in it, and so it wasn't even able to stay fresh overnight, but then we read that when they follow God's instructions, now they're saving bread for generations to come. And here's what that showed me, is that when you and I follow the instructions of God, it literally can last for generations. When we don't follow the instructions of God, it can't even last overnight, right? And so this principle came out that it just really, I mean, it jumped right off the page to me, and I thought, you know what, that's the best way to sum up this series. And so I want to talk about it, but first I want to do a little bit of a recap 
So if you'll throw those recaps up for me, just to, I just want to kind of help you in case you missed a Sunday or whatever. The very first week, we talked about how God provides us with seed, and it's up to us what we make of it. And that illustration came from the fact that the manna came in a seed form, and the Israelites had to take it, and they had to make bread out of it. And we talked about how when you get your financial resource, it's a seed. You get it in seed form. And whether or not you trust it with God or whether or not you keep it to yourself is how you decide what you're going to make of it. Week two, we talked about how when we honor God with the first of our finances, he'll bless the rest. And we had this illustration where we were able to show all this stuff that represented our resource and we got down to where we gave God what's left and there was nothing for God to bless. And we talked about how when we give God first what's his, he can bless all of the rest. And then last week, we talked about God protecting our finances and how when we trust God with our finances, he's our protector versus us being our protector. And we talked about how when we run out of what we have, it's at that point that we learn that God is enough. And I talked about how a lot of us are fearful of running out of what we have. And it's not until we actually run out of what we have. It's not until we actually release our own self-protection that we find out that God is and will be enough. And what I want to share with you today is this concept that when we trust God with our finances, we leave a legacy. When you and I decide that our families are going to be families that trust God with our finances, we put into motion a legacy, a legacy that we're going to leave behind for generations to come. And so here's the question I need to start off today with. What kind of legacy do you want to leave? And I don't know if you've ever even really thought about it. Obviously, we've got teenagers in the room that you're probably not thinking much about your legacy, but you should be. We've got married couples. We've got dating couples, soon to be married. Any announcements today? No? Okay, all right, just checking. I can marry you right now. We can get that done. Uh, we have families with kids, grown kids, soon to be kids, praying for kids. We have all these different levels of life. We have grandparents. We have all these different levels. And the question is, what kind of legacy do you want to leave? Watch this. Let's go back to Exodus chapter 16. I'm going to show you what, what really shook me. All right, Exodus 16, 33, 34 says, So Moses said to Aaron, Take a jar, take a jar, and put an omer of manna in the jar, and then place it before the Lord so that it would be kept for generations to come. Now, here's what happens Aaron goes and puts bread in the jar. And then according to the Bible, he puts the jar into what was called the Ark of the Covenant, okay? Ark of the Covenant is where the presence of God dwelled, kind of picture, kind of a chest that they would carry around. And inside the Ark of the Covenant already was Aaron's staff and the Ten Commandments, the tablet of the Ten Commandments. And now a jar of manna, almost kind of like a time capsule, if you would, okay? So he takes some of the manna. Remember, if you remember when we read it at the beginning, God said, do it so that people can see how God provided for you while you were in the wilderness after you had gotten out of Egypt. So Aaron puts some man in a jar, he puts in the Ark of the Covenant, and now it's preserved for generations to come. Now understand this. Our legacy is the message that we leave behind to our family and to our friends once we are gone. That's what your legacy is. A lot of us, you can think right now about your grandparents, your great-grandparents, and you can think about the legacy that they left you. Our legacy is whatever we leave, whatever the message is, okay? Whatever we leave in the hearts and the minds of others, whatever we leave in the hearts and the minds of our children and our grandchildren, when we leave, that is our legacy. 
Now, I'm not sure that the children of Israel were aware of it or not, that when they chose to trust God with their finances, when they chose to trust God with their provision, what they were doing is they were leaving a legacy that told of God's faithfulness. Let me explain what I mean. Imagine with me, if you might, that now generations have passed. The children of Israel that were actually walking through the wilderness have passed, and we're talking generations and generations and generations beyond. The whole story of walking through the wilderness and manna, it's all a wise tale now. Some people believe it. Some people don't believe it. They don't really know if great-great-grandfather was, you know, pulling back old cough medicine or whatever. I'm not really sure how the story goes. They don't, it's just kind of a wise tale. And yet that current generation is still struggling with trusting God with their provision. I think this could be accurate because we're still struggling with this today. So whatever generation we're imagining right now, they're still struggling with trusting God with the provision. And somebody walks up and says, hey, but what about this? And somebody goes, what is that? Exactly. This is the actual bread that God provided for great, 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 great grandfather and great, 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 great grandmother. When they were walking through the wilderness, they trusted God. Remember that story? Remember, remember when, when our uncle tried to get extra bread and he woke up in the morning, there was maggots on it. Yeah, I thought that was a dumb story. Yeah, it actually happened. They went into the wilderness without anything. They trusted God and he provided. How can you prove that? I got evidence right here. This was the legacy. This was the moment that they left that helped them to be able to say, hey, I've got proof that God will provide for us when we trust him with our provision. Every one of us will leave a legacy. Every one of us. And once we know what we want that legacy to be, then it will begin to influence our day-to-day decisions, especially our finances. When we decide to trust God with our finances, watch this, we actually set ourselves up to be able to leave a legacy that speaks about God's faithfulness to provide. That's where I need our minds to go to today. That Look, I understand that we've been talking about what happens when we trust God with our finances today, what happens in the present world, how God helps and provides for us and does these things, but it's even greater than that. When we trust God with our finances, what we do is we put something in motion. We start to leave a legacy for the generations behind us to be able to know that God is faithful. I've shared with you before that when Darla and I were in Memphis, we, were, we, were, we lived paycheck to paycheck. We, we didn't have hardly any money at all. And I've shared this story before. My kids know this. There were times where they would bring us a toy and the batteries would have, been, you know, would have died. And batteries are so expensive that we couldn't afford new batteries. So when they weren't looking, we just throw the toy away. Like that was just in our, you know, I mean, they got so many toys. They're not going to know, right? Grandma and grandpa are going to buy them. And so when they weren't paying attention, we just throw the toy away because it was easier for us to throw the toy away than it was to be able to afford the batteries. That's where we were. I'm just giving you a context of where we were. We started trusting God with our finances. And I don't, it might have been four or five years later, we were able to pay cash to take our kids to Disney World. Now, listen, if I'm not careful, I let that go past my kids. If I'm not careful, I let them think that mom and daddy just got money, which ain't true. 
but it's a moment for me to stop and go, listen, this is what it was like before we trusted God with our finances. And this is what happened when we did. And I'm telling you this to put a legacy in your heart and in your mind so that you will never have to experience what mama and daddy experienced when we chose not to trust God. If I can teach you now when you're 11, if I can teach you now when you're seven, then you will never see the moment. My kids tithe today. I love that. I didn't tithe when I was their age because I didn't know. I wasn't taken to church. I, didn't, I wasn't taught the principles but the legacy, I leave a lot of legacy for my kids, but I want to leave a legacy that teaches them about the faithfulness of God. I want them to understand what I've experienced without God and what I've experienced with God. I want them to know what's happened when I've ignored God's instructions and what's happened when I have followed God's instructions. I want them to be able to look back when they're older and go, hey, do you remember what happened with mom and dad? Remember how they couldn't afford bath? Remember how they threw your toy away? That's what, that's what Vader would say to Casey Ray. She'd make sure it was her toy. <laughs> and then remember this. We, we have a picture. We have, we have a collage of pictures of us in Disney World. And every time I see that collage, all I can think about is, oh my gosh, how did we pay cash for that trip? And it's because of the faithfulness of God. Now listen. Our legacy is not solely about finances. I, I understand that, okay? I, I'm, I'm making that very clear. Your legacy is not solely about finances. However, finances do play an important role. They do. And for every truth of God that we're given, Satan tries to distort it. Every truth that you've ever been given by God, Satan will try to distort it. And it's the same thing when it comes to finances and legacy. Let me tell you what I mean. We're being taught right now that it is important for us to leave inheritance for the generations to come. Did you know that the Bible actually says that? The Bible says that we godly people should leave inheritance for our kids. It says that. But Satan's come along and brought some distortion, and now what we're doing is we're killing ourselves, right? We work overtime and extra hours so that we can leave them with stuff. We want to give them money. We want to give them a house. We want to give them this inheritance. Satan's come along. Watch it. We're spending less time with them so that we can leave stuff for them, right? What we've done is we're breaking our backs to provide our kids with the American dream versus teaching them how to seek the face of God for his dream for them. And that's what I'm talking about when I mean legacy, okay? Listen to me. I think it is perfectly okay for you to put money aside for your kids. Please understand that. That's biblical. If you like to put money aside and you're saving or you have some type of financial inheritance, great job. That's biblical. Great job. You should do that. I'm not, I'm not dissing that. I'm not getting mad at that. But here's what I'm saying. Above all else, leave them a house. Leave them cash. Leave them a car. Leave them Fortnite. Whatever you want to do, right? Leave it off them. But above all else, let's leave them some experiences that bring evidence of God's faithfulness. Let's leave moments that we can talk about God's goodness so that in the future, they will trust him for their provision and they will believe him for miracles. Amen, Amen church. And this is what I'm talking about. Again, by all means, put all the money away that you want. That's fine. But before you do that, 
Put stuff in motion that provides moments. Put stuff in motion that provides experiences that give evidence to your children where they can say, we have seen God's faithfulness. I'll be real blunt with you for a second. When, my, when Veda's 26 years old, what do you think is going to be better for her? $1,000 in a savings account? or evidence in her parents' life that God's faithful? Which one will be more important? Exactly. $1,000 not going to go so far, right? Knowing her, she'll spend it all on Fortnite. It'll be gone. <laughs> but if she has these moments with God, she has these experiences with God, then she knows. She knows that she can trust him with her faithfulness. I like the way Billy Graham said it. He said it, everything I just said, but he said it a lot shorter. So the greatest legacy that one can pass on to one's children and grandchildren is not money or other materials, but rather a legacy of character and faith. It's the greatest legacy you can pass on. Now let's look at how Jesus said it. Jesus is talking in Matthew chapter 6. Here's what he says. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth. Treasures on earth where moths and vermin can destroy and where thieves break in and they steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermins do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Jesus is saying, hey, listen, if you're going to start building up an inheritance to pass on to the next generation, make sure it's an inheritance in heaven. Make sure it's treasures in heaven. Make sure it's things that make a difference. Don't, don't be all about giving them money. Give them miracles. Don't be so focused on teaching them how to make dollars. Teach them how to make a difference. You know what I mean? That's the kind of treasure we want to store up. By all means, I've preached it all three weeks. Have a savings. Have, do all of that. I'm not against any of that. But above all else, show yourself to be faithful and honoring God so that you will have stories of faithfulness to tell. For every person that has trusted God with their finances through Victory Church, you have stored treasures up in heaven. I just wanted to share some of these with you. We got, we got a graphic. I haven't seen the graphic yet, so I'm not sure how I'm going to read it to you. You got that graphic? There we go. All right. So just kind of gives you some pictures and some ideas as to some of the things that we've been a part of. Just because of people who have trusted their finances with God, watch this. We've had, we've had many, many families be impacted by a Sunday morning experience. We've had 50 plus people in small groups. We've had all these outreach opportunities, baptisms. Uh, people go through growth track, graduate growth track. We've had families being counseled. We've had all these, we had great kids ministry. All of that's been happening on Sundays and throughout the week. But then there's even more stuff that's happening outside of these four walls. I know one of the things on there, and, I, and this just happened recently, that Scott Hoard, his ministry, saved their 351st baby. How incredible is that? He had a picture out there of a little boy that the mom ended up deciding to, to save, ended up deciding to, you know, to have. And I don't remember how old the little boy was, but just precious, and he was celebrating. And here's what, as soon as I saw that picture, here's what I thought. That's your investment. That's, that's your treasure in heaven. Every person that's ever trusted God with their finances through Victory Church has supported that ministry that has saved 351 babies. It's incredible. Every person that trusted God with their finances through Victory Church, we gave over, uh, over 500 for sure, probably knocking on the door of $1,000 in gift cards to Isaiah 117. Gift cards that allow those employees to go and buy food for those kids when they first arrive at the home. 
That's treasure in heaven. Did you know? Did you know that if you trusted God with your finances through Victory Church, did you know that you planted churches in Bangladesh? You did that. You didn't even know you were doing that. You were buying Wendy's and you were going, this is where my money's going. It's like, no, it's impacting people all across the other side of the world. Because you are building up treasure in heaven, not just treasure here. The ministry that we're doing through Katie Carter's ministry in Costa Rica, where she's mentoring young ladies. The, the, the tutoring we're doing through Empowerment Incorporated in schools in Antioch. The impact that we have with the YMCA. There's partnerships and meetings I'm in on a weekly basis of things we're getting our hands into. All kinds of, you know, uh, 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 all kinds of different ministries that are coming in the new year. And every bit of this, your hands are involved in because you are trusting God with your finances. I think it was the first week I talked about how the very first check that Darla and I wrote to Purpose Prevails, God took it. We know it ended up going into ministries with Katie Carter and different ministries, and then God brought it back and gave us $1,000 through our pastors. We had the same amount of money, but God took it and did ministry and brought it back. And this was the principle that I, I just would love that God's teaching me, is that when I store my treasure in heaven, everything I need on here is provided. But what I let loose to God, God takes and uses to minister all over the world. And some of this, I just need to do a better job of informing you. When we get our building, I'm going to put it all over the walls just so you can share with your children the legacy that you're a part of. So you, can, you should all set your kids down today and tell them, do you know that because our family trusts God with our finances, we've seen 351 babies saved? You should tell them that. That's a legacy. You say, do you know because we trust God with our finances, we actually planted churches in Bangladesh? You should tell them that because that's your legacy. That's the legacy that you're building. That's the legacy that you're leaving. That's what we do for generations to come when we trust God with our finances. Our goal has never been to live on this earth forever, but our goal has been to leave something that will. I don't know about you, I have no desire to live on this earth forever, but I want to leave something that does. When it's all said and done, when we're gone, when all of us are old and out, and we're dancing in heaven, I want people to talk about the legacy that we left in other people, not in bank accounts, right? I want to store treasures in heaven, not on earth. Now, if God chooses to build a bank account, all for it. But I want to trust him with the treasures and allow him to impact lives. And I think probably the greatest thing I've learned about all of this is that once I trust God with my finances, watch this, I start trading least for legacy. What does that mean? Let me show you what that means. In Luke chapter 16, verse 10, there's a particular verse, and you've probably heard it before, and it goes like this. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. I've probably heard that before. You may have heard it in the version that says, he who can be trusted with least can be trusted with much. goes on to say, whoever is dishonest with very little is dishonest with much. Now, this principle is taught a lot of times in a numerical form, like whoever can be trusted with a small amount of money can then be trusted with a large amount of money. Now, that principle is very accurate. That principle is actually accurate in any aspect. You use it in your jobs. You use it with your kids. 
You use that testing principle of if you can be trusted with small, then you can be trusted with big. That is a normal principle that we teach, but I think there's something deeper in the scriptures. And here's what I mean by this. When I, the more and more I read that, the more and more I started thinking about how God views money. Like, like how does God, because to us, money's very important. Not, not be, we're not bad people in that aspect. It's just the way our, our culture runs, right? Money is an important thing. But I started thinking about God and like how his understanding is beyond our understanding. And how does God think about money? And I started thinking about a few different scriptures. You know, the fact that he owns a cattle on a thousand hills, which is, is verbiage for letting you know that he has plenty, that everything he needs, he has. He has an unlimited resource. Uh, there's another story where the disciples needed money to pay their taxes, and Jesus sent them over to some water and had a fish pop out, and the fish opened his mouth. There was a coin in there. We've, we've all talked about before how the streets in heaven will be paved in gold, which I think is interesting because gold to us is a very valuable financial resource, and yet in heaven it's what we'll walk on. And it just helps me to understand, follow along with me if you choose to agree with me on this, that to God, money is one of the least things he worries about. Matter of fact, I would go on to say it's one of his least blessings. Now, God does great things through money, but to him, money isn't really a major thing. So here's how I read that verse. He who can be trusted with the least of my blessing can be trusted with the most of my blessing. That makes sense? He who can be trusted with the smallest, the, the thing that I, God, see as the least. If I can give you the least and you can trust it, then I know you can trust the much. Now you would say, wait a minute, that principle doesn't make a lot of sense, God. Just because I can be trusted with a little, now you're going to trust me the much? And God says, no, it's the least thing that has the most stronghold on us. And if we can be trusted with that least, then we can be trusted with greatness and legacy. I know a pastor that he decided he got all excited and he wanted to start giving tracks out to witness. Now this was, he had just become a pastor. This was years ago when tracks were a little bit more of a popular thing. Remember that little booklet you'd hand out to share the gospel? And so he was using that. He would go and set these tracks out and try to share the gospel. So he picked this one restaurant and he picked this one waitress and him and his wife didn't have a lot of money, so they went out to eat once a month. And he said, every time we go out to eat, we're going to come to this restaurant, we're going to ask for this waitress, and I'm going to leave her a track and try to share the gospel with her. And he did this for months, and he never heard of anything. And he said he was praying one day, and he heard God tell him, next time you do that, put a $100 bill in it. And he said, I was like, oh, I don't really, you know, I can barely afford the dinner. I can't afford the $100 bill. And so he said he trusted God, and he did it. He went to the restaurant, they ate. He said on top of that, he left a nice tip. And then he took a track, another track, put a $100 bill in it, left the track on the table, and him and his wife left. A month goes by, here's nothing. He said, they go back to do it again. He said, he shows up to the restaurant. He said, right when we walked in the restaurant door, restaurant door the waitress came running up to me. And she didn't even know his name. And she was like, seriously, I got to tell you, she got to tell you. She said, I read that piece of paper you left on the table. And she said, I read it, and I gave my heart to Jesus. And she said, then I called my husband and I told him about it, and he gave his heart to Jesus. And, and the pastor said, now, wait a minute. What do you mean you called your husband? Like, does he travel or something? And he said she kind of looked down, kind of downcast. And she said, well, he's in prison. And so this pastor and his wife tell her, we want to disciple you and your husband. 
They end up discipling her and her husband for months. He ends up getting out of jail. They start going to their church. They get baptized, and now they're serving in his church. Okay, come on. First of all, give God praise for that. Now watch. This couple being discipled and baptized and restored and walking and serving Jesus Christ, that's legacy. $100 in a track, that's least. Now I get it. <laughs> I don't want to know about you. $100 is not least to me. I'd have been much better if it had been like, put a 10 in there. I got you, you know. <laughs> but this is the principle we're trying to learn. That if I can trust God with what he sees as least, in his world, it's least. This is all I got. No, it's not. Because you have all of unlimited resource available to you. But you have to trust him. He don't want you to take it and go trust him for a new car loan. He wants you to use it to bless people, to share the gospel. And God says, if I can trust you with least, if I can trust you to put the $100 bill in there, then I can trust you with the much. And I can allow you and your wife to disciple this family. I can allow you to be a part of their life change. I can allow you to see them be baptized. Listen to me. I don't know about you, but I want to see great things. I want to be a part of great stories and great miracles. I want to be trusted with much, not money. Again, that's really not my passion. I want to be trusted with much in miracles. But what I hear God telling me is I got to trust him with the least first. And when I can trust him with the least, I can experience the much. Travis, you go ahead and bring that ladder up from brother. Why bring it up? Let me tell you this story. Focus in on me for a second. Um, my, my God is so good. He's so good. Here's what I mean by that. Hey, stay here. I want you to go to the top. I'm kidding. Go on. Okay. <laughs> I just needed a laugh to get rid of these tears. I'm sorry. Um, nobody normally knows what I'm preaching on. Erica gets my notes a couple days before Sunday. I normally don't involve Darla. I like her to still enjoy my preaching. And I, just so you know, my normal routine on a Sunday morning is I will come in and I'll go straight to my green room, which is a bathroom, and begin to prep. I normally don't talk to anybody before. Everybody, all the dream teams are here serving, doing their thing. I try to get focused. I do more of my talking after service because everything that's in my mind is out. I don't have to worry about it anymore. But this Sunday, I had to return something that my wife borrowed and I had to put it together. So I'm in this hallway and I'm putting it putting it together. Keep in mind, I'm, I'm normally not available. I'm putting it together. And one of my good friends, who's a part of this church, comes into the hallway. He starts helping me with the sign. And we're talking. And he starts telling me where he's at right now in his life, him and his family. And I remember that about two, maybe three years ago, I remember talking to him. Both him and his wife had lost their job. Really confused. I think, I'm really, I may be getting some details wrong. I think, I think his job wasn't quite what he thought was going to be financially, and his wife had lost her job. And he had these great dreams, great, great vision. 
And I remember him telling me, and, and, and he's in here, so excuse me if I get the details wrong, but I remember him telling me he was gonna trust God with his finances through that. That he was gonna still tie through that and steal all this kind of stuff. And he did. He did. And we're standing in that hallway and he's telling me this story. And all the things that he talked about then that he was believing God for, he's walking in now. And I, and I think for me, what it did for me is to not lose sight of the fact that when I trust God with my finances, yes, they go and minister all around the world, but God does not forget about my dreams. And I think that's important because we're all dreamers and we think our dreams are attached to our wallets, but they're not. They're attached to God. And when we can trust God with the least, he can trust us with the much. And it's a continual lesson. But I just love that I'm not up here having to tell you, if you trust God with your finances, all these people will be blessed. It's going to be great, but your life's going to suck. That's not the situation. It's all these people are going to be blessed. And God's going to walk with you to your dreams. I wanted to use this because there's, there's normally about four levels of giving in the church. Well, five. Level five is nothing. They don't, you know, nobody, they don't, you've never given a dollar to God. You never, so that's, that's five. Level one, or I'm sorry, level two is, you know, you, you put 20 bucks in the offering plate here or there, you know, something comes around, something, it's normally level two. I don't know if I can do this after being so emotional. Level three is you give a little something, but you give it regularly. You give 20 bucks, but you give it every month. You give them regularly. The next step is tithing. I, I read this statistic today. I don't, I'm probably not in the camera anymore. Sorry, Andrew. Didn't think about that. Uh, 3% of Christians tithe. 3%. Not of unbelievers, of Christians. Tithing is the level where we trust God with the first 10% of our finances. The first 10% of our increase, we give to God, and then God blesses the rest. You heard that. And then the next level is sacrificial giving. Now, sacrificial giving, have you noticed, each level got a little bit scarier, right? And normally, sacrificial giving, I would need help to get up here. And sacrificial giving is kind of that way. Sometimes you need a charge. You need, you need help getting there. You need somebody to come alongside you and, and challenge you. But regardless, the fact is, church, that every step gets a little bit scary, scarier. But with every step, what do you do? You get higher. With every step, my perspective changes, right? There's something new that I'm experiencing. And it's the same way when we trust God with our finances. Every level... There's not much scary about this. There's not too much scary about this. This uh, depends on how scared you are of ladders or heights. But then when you get up here, and you get up here, then it gets really frightening. 
I'm way too old for this thing to tip over. <laughs> Be preaching from a wheelchair for the rest of the year. But when I'm up here, I can see things I can't see down there. I see things from an angle I don't see down there. And I think this is what happens when we just step out in faith and trust God with our finances. Yes, it's scary. And yes, you may need somebody to help you get up here. But it's a perspective shift. I just thought, and I'll, I'll let you go. Why would God create giving? How many of you ever heard God doesn't need our money? You ever heard that before? We've all heard that. He doesn't. So why even create the concept? What if the whole concept is a test to see if he can trust us with least so that he can let us experience the most? And I want that for you. I really do. I want for you the story that I had with my friend in the hallway today when he cried and hugged me and talked about how good God was. And I can remember to the day when he stood back there and said, I don't know how this is going to happen, but I'm just going to trust God. And now you fast forward and he's seeing the goodness of God. And it's better and it's faster than he thought it was going to be. Because over here is much, much more than you think, much better than you think, much faster than you think. But he's got to be able to trust you at least before he knows he can release the much. And I just believe God's got much for every one of you, every one of you. And I shared this a couple weeks ago, and I'll share it again. It's a freedom that I want for you. It's an adventure that I want for you. And it's a life change that I want for you. And so worship team's going to come up, and we're going to sing, and I'm going to ask you that during that song, you would pray what God's asking you to do. If you've never tithed, you've never trusted God with your finances, now's a great time to do it. Now's a great time to step out and trust him. Maybe you've always trusted God with your finances. You've been a tither. Maybe this is the season to be able to sow something in praising God for what he's done in the past year. Whatever it is, listen to his heart. Listen to his voice. Listen to your heart. Do me a favor. Would you stand? Worship team, I'm going to invite you up. I'll get this letter. And as we worship, again, take a moment and pray. Hold your spouse's hand. Pray together. Next Sunday, we'll move on into our Christmas at Victory and every person that commits to this, I'll be reaching out to you. We'll be connecting. But you're not going to hear me say much about it from up here anymore. And so it's just your opportunity to step out and trust God. I want it for you so bad, but I can't make you do it. 
But I'm gonna pray for you while you're praying. And then, man, when I say amen, you can take us into our song. Father, I thank you right now for these past four weeks. I thank you for every person being so receptive and so open. I thank you to the principles that your word teaches us. I thank you for the promises that you've made us. I thank you that there is an adventure inside the adventure, and I thank you that there is freedom for our financial life. And we can't follow you, Lord, without understanding that in your scriptures, you made it very clear that this was an important area of our life. And you want to open up the doors for us with experiences and miracles and opportunities. And once you can trust us with a little, you can trust us with a lot. You've got sons and daughters in here that are just burdened by financial stress. And you want to set them free. You want to come alongside of them. Help them come out of that. You've got people who've been praying for something, praying for a promise, praying for a dream. Father, you want to open up the gates to that. I know you've got somebody in here who's been wrestling with this for a while and they really want to take that step, but they're worried. Father, I pray right now for supernatural peace, for comfort, for guidance, for discernment. I pray that your word would start to marinate in their lives for every couple that's praying together, for every mom and dad that's thinking about their family, for every grandma and grandpa that's thinking about their legacy. Father, speak to us right now. For every one of us that are getting ready to sow and purpose prevails in the next couple of weeks, Father, speak to us clearly. Challenge us to step out in faith. Let us believe and let us see you do miracles. All the lives you've been able to touch, all the changes you've made through our faithfulness. Father, next year is going to be even better. Do it even greater. More babies saved, more churches planted, more young people mentored. Let us be used to see people saved, baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. We'll give you all the glory. We'll give you all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said...